Rocking chair, chair sessions. sessions. With Elisa Di Battista, Maria Teresa Barber. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our fifth RCS rocking chair session. Um, this is a very important one for us as it marks our fifth anniversary of the show. And for all of those who are listening for the first time, I'm Maria Teresa Barbis. And I'm Elisa Di Batista, and together we are the Baba Collective. And we are so excited that we get so much good feedback about the rocking chair sessions, and then we always find someone to have in our rocking chair. And we are uh, really excited to have Andre Martinez here with us today. Howdy. Hi. <laughs> and um, as an anniversary gift to everybody, including Andre for being our visitor, we're releasing um, the Rocking Chairs website today. Um, it should be available for your listening pleasure once we are done with the interview tonight. Um, and check it out whenever you have a chance. And the address is rockingchairsessions.com. Check it out. Okay, I guess let's just, just jump in. Are you ready, Andre? Yeah, I'm pretty ready. As ready That's as you can be. Sure. Already, uh, he's, Andre is already rocking in our chair and, and, and hugging the, the, the blankie that I made, um, that I knitted a while back for our uh, knitting club. And, um, Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks good on you. It, it, does, it does look good on you and it matches your sneakers for those of you that can't see. Andre's wearing some fly blue sneakers. And that he got to it for his birthday, right? His yeah. Birthday. And the knit sweater matches. Um, I guess just being in the studio for me is very commemorative, fifth anniversary, you're here, Andre Martinez, and I'm looking at this floor, and it just, it speaks to me, because it looks very much like you. Can you please tell us a little bit about Maria's current studio, and how it connects to you? This is my first studio ever, outside of school. So when I moved from, well, when I came back from college, I came to the bakehouse after getting my BFA at SVA. And they put me up here, and this was my first studio. I was um, I was only here for a couple of weeks, like two and a half, and oh, I really fucked up the floor pretty quickly. <laughs> but um, it's generally um, it, I had a good time up here, I guess. It's just I hate that pole in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, people can't awkward. see. You no, know, I hit my head a couple of times backing oh, up trying to no. paint. <laughs> so I should have foamed, matted it or something. But or I just whatever. I was only two and a half weeks of headaches. It's over. It's a very special pole. So you moved from Maria's current studio to... Downstairs. Downstairs. How long were you there for? I believe it was two and a half years. So I made almost three years at the big house. Nice. Yeah, it was um, very interesting. I never had to deal with so many adults and artists or just zany, weird-ass people that I never understood anywhere, which way they... I, had, I never understood them because... How can you be an artist and have so many restrictions? Unless that's your art, you're restricting yourself. It was something that I couldn't work with for too long. That's why I always worked at night. I usually came after 5 o'clock when everybody went home, mm -hmm. and then I just started working until like 2, 3 in the morning. Okay, well, since you had recently graduated from SVA in New York, and then this was your first official residency, do you feel that the freedoms you were accustomed to in terms of expression, in terms of your artwork, 
Um, it was a different environment when you entered here, and that's why you switched and became a night owl. I think it was. I came expecting it to be a big community like college was, and I mm -hmm. was confronted with the reality of no people are not like that anymore. Yeah, I thought maybe it was a New York thing that yeah. maybe New York artists were different, and maybe when you come down here, it was a different type of feel to it. But I didn't get any of that. I sure I made a lot of close friends here, but. I didn't get the whole community or the whole help each other, the whole, I didn't get that. It was more of an independent practice, which I think we realized once we're out of officially of school, of school yeah. and it just changes the environment. How is your current residency? Because I know you left from here to the Bay House, and now you're currently at? The Laundromat Art Space in Little mm -hmm. Haiti. Mm -hmm. It's great. I got along really well with everybody there. It's only nine of us, and we generally always have different schedules, so we see each other every once in a while. but. There's no restrictions. We could do whatever we want in our space. There's a lot more freedom. I just feel that I could do whatever I want there without someone just telling me, be quiet, or that's not, you know, that's harmful, this or that, or I just feel free there. Which is great. Yeah. Okay, and in terms of hours, have you kept the similar hours? Are you more of a day person? Or no, I just generally paint or just do stuff at um, afternoon. Okay, that's not too bad. Do you choose the afternoon? Is it? Do you have a job now? Yeah, I have a full-time job. I work at an artist sweatshop. Oh, tell us I about that. I just talked to him a little bit before the interview. It's Bad so interesting. Bad. I know, I know. L tell our listeners what it is about. So I'm in charge of the art department where we make replicas of an artist's work with the artist's permission. I speak with him through Skype or depending if he doesn't speak English or Spanish. He have a, you know, someone else translated for him. I was working with this. Russian, a Jewish person, they met, oh, I can't say his name, okay. but I don't want to say his name, but uh, he was just, the guy was translating for him, and he was just telling me what colors to use, and I was like, okay, I did it, then when I make the model, I show, like, 20 other people how to do it, so they're generally copying me, copying another artist, and I'm in charge of that department. That is super different, and I'm very excited to know that, one, you have this job, two, not that your work has to do with multiplicity, but it still has a certain, um, similar thread throughout, so this having to have the direct line connect to the other ones, I just feel like there's a trickle down that I see in your artwork, which I guess going into your artwork, and let's just jump in, what would you call yourself, what type of artist, and how does that affect your art? I always consider myself a painter first, because okay. no matter what, I make assemblages or do things, it's paint involved, mm -hmm. and I just make things and paint them, so I'm a painter. Did you study painting yeah. at SVA as well? Studio art, mm -hmm. so they, well, also, oh, also, they didn't separate between the different departments? They did. Well, they, they had did? buildings for <laughs> They had different buildings <laughs> for painting, different buildings for sculpture, different buildings. Well, no, the same building for the silk screen, mm -hmm. for etching, lithography, or printing, generally. Mm -hmm. That was in the same building. And I just took every possible course I can. All over, through all Everywhere, the yeah. No, I didn't have a, I didn't decide, let me just do this. Let me just mm -hmm. concentrate on that. Mm -hmm. Coming from my background, I believe that, um, I just wanted to be free. I just wanted to. I didn't want to like just concentrate on one thing. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, that was undergrad or grad? Undergrad. Undergrad. Yeah, my bachelor's. You got, you got your bachelor's at SVA. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever want to go to grad school afterwards, or was that I'm not. I'm not. Uh, not yet. I haven't matured yet as a human being yet. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you get your masters in quotation marks for fine arts, what the fuck does that mean? 
literally, there's like 26 year olds that have masters in fine arts. I'm like, what have you done? You've just been in school all your life. So you take the word very literal that you should yeah, master should, something. No, you should you master, master it, like not master your craft, but you should have some life ex you know, experience. Yeah. How could you just be going course to course? Oh, I could teach other people to be an artist. Yeah. They never taught me how to be an artist in college. They just told me, here, here's something you should do. Look this guy up. Do something. All right. That's it. I experienced like that, too. I mean, I was m much older when I, when I went to art school first, but it was like a playground, you know, where I could really experience and just really just try out a lot of stuff, right? And then you, yeah. find your, you have to find your own way anyway. No one can really teach you what you're supposed to do. Art school doesn't you know teach you to be an artist. Art no. school just helps you become a better artist. Yeah. Or you just waste your parents' money, which a lot of people did go to school for. Like straight up, I went to so many rich kids at SVA. Mm -hmm. It was pretty awesome. It was their friends. They bought me a bunch of like beer and other shit, so I'll hang out with them, but they were the worst fucking artists. They didn't even need more psychiatrists than more an art school teacher. These people were shit. Don't get me wrong, I'm still friends with them on Facebook and they still visit me. <laughs> we're cool, but they're not artists at all now. I guess it depends on um, expectations. Like, for example, when you say that you expect a certain mastery, a certain realness, a certain um, growth to occur before you pursue your master's for yourself as well as for some other people, you expect the same way, I guess, um, your artwork to take form. Like, you don't think it should just be for whatever sake. If you don't want it to be, like, you know what I mean? You don't want it to be non non-genuine like I feel your work is so genuine when I look mm -hmm. at it it resonates with me mm -hmm. um, which is another reason I'm really glad you're here and in terms of your artwork I want to know where do these ideas come from because some of your pieces um, for example to quote um, the one that is cropped out in the image of your preview it says um, this is not a crack house it's a crack home like where do you come mm -hmm. up with these ideas that they, there's a realness to them there's I feel like there's a story behind them like you could you could sit down and you could open it up and you could have an actual real discussion. It's not just, there's a wit to it, but there's also, there's a severity, there's a realness. Could you talk about that a little bit? My inspiration comes from my life, honestly. Like, it could be my dreams, it could be my past, it could be me walking down the street, it could just be whatever I'm eating at the moment. Mm -hmm. It just, if I believe that as an artist, your life is art, mm -hmm. be really, I guess that sounds really damn corny. But um, at the same time... I would totally sign that. I, I'm, that's, at the same time, it's, it I am totally with the corny and puns. My work's filled with that. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's very honest because that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. A lot of pieces in my artwork, I just take it straight from my house. Mm -hmm. There are actually frames that I have in my house. I just took them off, painted them a different color. Mm -hmm. uh, old toys of mine. Old, my, my mom wanted to go throw away, but I rescued them from the garbage. <laughs> and other things that <laughs> people give me. Like, my family members or friends just give me things, and I just... Just break them and rearrange them, and then that is generally how I see them. It's almost a portrait of them. Mm -hmm. If someone gives me anything, I just make something of it, or just keep it in my studio for a couple weeks, and then if it nothing resonates with it, I just throw it away. Mm -hmm. But the crack house, crack home thing is that if you ever know somebody who smoked hearts or does drug heavy drugs, they're still a human being. Sure, they're, they're messed up, but they're. You know, it's something that I've had friends have done crack, smoke crack, and they've gotten better. I have friends who haven't, mm -hmm. and it sucks. And it's something that you just live with. Therefore, I know somebody who actually did smoke crack and had a family, mm -hmm. and he'll just go to work, and then he'll go right after work, tuck his daughter to sleep, and then smoke crack. Mm -hmm. And he managed to function still. Yeah, I took him. I took him. He got clean. He got clean, but mm -hmm. it's something that 
you know, it's how you see somebody, oh, it's crack. You just see the person shaking in the videos or, mm -hmm. you know, ODing on it. Mm -hmm. But this person had like a regular job and mm -hmm. lived his life. Well, there's a certain reality that I really, I, I profusely enjoy in your work. There's another one. I'm just going to start quoting pieces. One that said, um, out of business, and you made that piece when you were here at the bakehouse, when you're a resident here, and you hung it outside. And you told me, I, think, I feel it was like the first few times I met you, that they had to put um, a label describing that it was an artwork and that, that the bakehouse was actually going out of business. Cause you, could you talk about the inspiration for that piece? When I went up to uh, New York for college, I saw all, uh, walking down the street, you see all, all these businesses say going out of business. And they were, and then I will ask somebody, it's like, oh, it's been there going out of business for 25 years. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so people just think they're getting a deal when they're not they're just getting screwed over, just getting spammed. You know, so I was like, oh, perfect. It was my last show at the bakehouse. That was my last show that I put the sign up there. I asked the curator, hey, is it cool if I do that? He's like, yeah, it was cool. Because the whole idea, when people started seeing it, people started asking, is, this is the bakehouse really going out of business? Because, well, it should. <laughs> like, some, people, some people are just like, saying they have so many funny reactions. That's what I want. I want people just to like, question, is this art? Is this not art? Is it really going out of business? Because what's going on? Was it the Bakehouse phone number that was on that? No, no, I didn't. Do, I, was it your own phone number? No, no, it wasn't my. It was my. That was no. That was another. That was another piece. I do a lot of. Uh, it was a uh, space for rent. Space available or space something available, like that. That yeah. was the other piece that you did. Yeah, the, no, the my text piece. Yeah, it's another text piece part of the show that if you wanted to use the wall for your own artwork or for whatever reason, you call a number, and it was my friend who's a real estate agent. And he will sell you the wall, for the, rent you the wall for a couple of days or a week, depending on how much you would pay. So only three people call them, and he'll always upsell them by $100. So no matter how much you paid, he'll never, he'll never sell you the you wall were, yeah, or rent you the wall. So that's, that's a performance piece right there. That's, that's all, you know, the, the, the piece and then the real estate guy and then, you know, yeah. that's like a performance piece. I get it, did yeah. back then, right? That's something I always enjoyed about art was the fact that you should have fun with it. Well, depending mm -hmm. on what type of art you want to make. Mm -hmm. Some art's very serious, but, mm -hmm. and some of it isn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like your, your art's always fun for some reason. I recall um, for your last show that you did have at the Audrey Love um, Gallery downstairs here at the Big House, there was one piece where you had um, the Virgin Mary um, on a subwoofer, and it was like vibrating to Biggie Small's um, song. I love how you could take the most mundane things, repurpose them, and then give them a whole different meaning and create these site-specific installations or paintings. So most recently at the Laundromat Art Space, you had one where the planet Earth was attached to a string, like an actual, an Earth globe was attached to like a ping pong paddle. <laughs> and it said, um, okay. So my question to you is, what did you imagine that? Did you picture it in your mind and you're like, I have to make this? Or did you have one item and then automatically decided to make the other? Like, how do you connect these pieces that you find? Well, that piece got inspired by me trying to stop littering. And by that, I mean, sometimes I'll just put some of my old pieces outside and see if someone takes them or just mm -hmm. get other things, just move them around. Like, it was almost site-specific art. I go around when it's garbage day and put people's garbage in different forms outside their house to see if they notice and they never notice. It's just one of these things I just do for fun sometimes when I'm bored. So He's the whole, a performance artist, I'm so telling you. The whole idea is that I had this globe since I was a child and I saw I was like, damn, I do litter a lot sometimes. And I'm like, we're just fucking up the earth. But it's okay, right? 
I guess, you know, I, re I recycle, but then I have this big ass car that pumps all this gas everywhere. Mm -hmm. So, but then again, I'm at work and I destroy over a thousand sheets of paper like a week, not doing anything. So, but it's okay, right? Because I do good things. So the whole idea is um, we're, how us as humans are playing with the earth and it's something that we're not gonna stop doing. So mm -hmm. it's okay. So that's how I repeat, it's okay. So it's a giant nine foot tall paddle with the ball connected to it, with the actual size of Earth. So it's actually the real size it should be. When you have the toy, well, that's the actual size it should be. That's super. So you did the scale and everything. Yeah. So awesome. Your mind, I can't even. Um, I guess I just wanted to ask you, going forward, I'm jumping ahead of Maria, I'm sorry. Um, the first experience you had as a child when you had that aha moment, like this might be something, art, painting, that you might want to do. Like, when did that occur for you? Well, I always liked drawing. I think comic books and other things that really helped me out a lot when I was younger. I really was almost, like, alone growing up. Mm -hmm. Therefore, all the comic books, the heroes, the villains were kind of like my friends, my imaginary things. So I used to draw them a lot. And then I used to copy, photocopy them and give them to my friends. And then they will draw and they'll give it back to me and then whatever. You know, we'll make our own comics and ideas of it. I, I guess I was in third grade, second grade already. Mm -hmm. But I had a horrible elementary school art teacher that told me I'll never be an artist. And her name is Miss yeah. Schoenfeld. She won't listen to this. She's fucking shitty. And, but I met her a couple of years ago. I, won my show. I was a group show, and she was there, and I told her off. Because, yeah, I do carry a grudge. And she was really mean. How, why would you say that to, like, a, like a fourth grader? You'll never be an artist. Because I made, like, a really bad goldfish drawing, I believe it was. I can I can share this feeling because I had an art teacher in when I was like third grade I believe she ripped up my drawing in front of the whole class. Wow, that's even worse. And it was like <laughs> in Austria, right? Austria, like the good old Austrian strong strong teachers. It was I, I asked my friend back then, you know, what the hell did I draw? Did I draw like a penis or something? You know, that and she said no, it was a cat. But apparently, I draw a very, very bad cat. And I was traumatized from that moment. I, like, I, I didn't become an artist, or I didn't think of myself as an artist until I was like in, in my 30s, right? So that's how long that trauma lasted. But you didn't take that serious, what she said. You, well, you the, were like, more like... From a young age, I realized adults were, some adults were off and just evil and just mean. I realized that since I was a really young child, mm -hmm. that my dad had a drinking problem and he mm -hmm. was very abusive, mm -hmm. alcoholic towards my mother. Therefore, mm -hmm. I knew, like, I knew he was a bad person. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I knew there'd be other bad adults out there. So when I met so her- you were shielded a little bit or- Well, you know, yeah, but, and, you know, at the same time, I loved school because yeah. I didn't want to be home because of my father. Yeah. So I always stayed at school doing other things. I just did whatever I can not to be at home. And that's how, I guess maybe the, a lot of my work's actually influenced by the streets because I'll be hanging out in the streets. I never had a curfew, never had time to go inside. Never, mm -hmm. As long as the police never brought me home, my parents never bothered me. Mm -hmm. So you were, you were free as a child to go and roam around oh, yeah. and explore? Oh, yeah, big and, time. Mm -hmm. so, every, and so the city itself became my playground, and that's mm -hmm. why I generally have it a lot in my work, mm -hmm. pieces of it. Did that change when you went to high school? Did you have better teachers there, or was it was it not until like art school that you were really? Well, I had I always had a good, I was really good at taking exams, tests, mm -hmm. but I never go to school. So mm -hmm. like I think I did a thirteen thirty or something like that on my SATs the first time, and like in tenth grade, and I passed high school in my junior year. 
So I just went, I didn't want to go anywhere else. I didn't know anything else. So I just stayed in school and just hung out. We started smoking and drinking since we were 14, and me and my neighborhood, shout out to 79th Street. And um, so we were just doing like hood rat shit all the time. But I was a guy who always be painting or drawing graffiti oh, for them and like, you know, help them out. So it was a very tight knit group of us, but we were never in the same classes because they were in their, you know, barely reading level, and I was like in the AP classes. That I would just go and take the exams and leave because they were not my friends. Like the guys that were outside selling dope were my friends. Yeah. And, and how did you pass your classes without going to school? No, like in 11th grade, you have all, if you need just a prerequisites. You also need the amount of. Uh, they also had. I think that was the first year of the Florida exam that. That um, was that shitty exam that they make kids take now in oh, fourth grade, eighth grade, yeah, yeah, FCAT. Yeah, yeah that well, was my first year. Now, now, now it's FSA. It, I mean, it's continuously. It's like a rotational thing. They change the name and they change the exam. And yeah, so. But but yeah. I passed know. it in tenth grade, and then I had enough credits to pass in junior year, but I stayed, and all I had to take was uh, PE my senior year because I skipped it ninth grade <laughs> because I had PE first period, and I was like really like. You were not getting up for that. No, I was just afraid. I was just, this is really weird. You know, you're in high school. I was kind yeah. of a chubby kid. I didn't want to be all sweaty. And then in the showers, or it just, no, nah, that was not it's gonna happen. Not I never went. To, I never yeah. went to PE. No, that, screw that. So I took it. No, so I took it like in PE for like two periods in my senior class, senior year, and then the rest of them were arts class. I was the art club president my senior year. Wow. Yeah. No, I was really into it because I didn't. I liked the teacher, but she, uh, she wasn't. A very good art teacher, but she helped me with my portfolio, and we had the bi the second biggest like extracurricular group in the whole school because I got all my friends to join, and we all went on field trips every three weeks to museums, Vizcaya. We did a bunch of wow. yeah, no, it was good, but most of them didn't give a shit about art. They just wanted to get out of class. But you motivated them. Yeah, to still trying yeah, to no, and we went to museums you. and enrich them culturally. Oh, barely. <laughs> like, they go say still come to my art shows and be like what's that that's like a picture of our friend they're like that's not art that's that guy that like, hangs out on our block I'm like I know but whatever you know I guess I also wanted to talk about um, since you are local and you are homegrown here in Florida South Florida um, Hialeah how that comes about like the, the materials the colors the the symbology of that area and how that enters into your artwork if you could talk a little bit about that well, my parents came, were both immigrants from different countries. They came here and they settled down in Hialeah. From where are your parents? My dad's Cuban and my mom's mixed. My mom's Peruvian, Brazilian. Mm -hmm. Nice, you're mega like exotic. Sure. <laughs> and then um, they settled down in Hialeah and I grew up there, born and raised in the county of Dade. I think, am I your first like real artist I from Miami? Yeah, I was like really from Miami. I think well, Jason is Jason's born. Homestead. Homestead, man. Get homestead. Out of here. They, but homestead is homestead, homestead still Miami? I still consider it to be, you know, South Florida. But I feel like you, you, in your artwork, it seeps in. It's an integral part of who you are as an Miami. artist. Miami. Yeah, it's very Miami art, yeah. which is really funny because Miami. I don't show most of my artwork in Miami. I show mm -hmm. it like in New York, Chicago, LA, but not here. Mm -hmm. You motherfuckers don't like us. <laughs> How how is that? I have no idea. It doesn't make sense, <laughs> like to me. Both of the is it is it kind of like what we say in Austria? Sometimes you have to leave your hometown, kind of, to be successful. You know, because they don't they don't see the value in you if if you're from here. You're you know you're we more value valued you. elsewhere. We well, value you. funny That's enough, uh, my first museum show show was because of the bakehouse. 
they came to see other artists and they just stumbled upon my studio and they, I wasn't there and I spoke with the people, not knowing they were from a museum, and they, uh, they picked me out of everybody here to have a show. That's amazing. Yeah, what no. museum was that? FGCU, the Florida Gulf Coast University Museum, up north to the west. It was like three hour and a half drive from here. So no, that was that was a really uh, it was a really cool. Wow, that's show. that's exciting. It to was have that right right yeah. out of school basically right. Yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. that was pretty interesting. But mm -hmm. I guess because the city itself inspires me so much. Sometimes just seeing the houses, the colors. Mm -hmm. Well, I get inspired by the food we I think I went and went to Little Haiti, I saw a jackfruit for the first time, which mm -hmm. is really weird. It kinda of freaked me out that mm -hmm. you know how it looks, so I use its colors to make paintings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even itself, like pieces of my old house I would use to in my artwork itself. Mm -hmm. Like the old bars that we had. Mm -hmm. It's something I've been dealing with for the same time. Uh, almost how these bars we have outside our windows, they mm -hmm. keep us safe but they also keep us in. Mm -hmm. so this whole jail mentality, especially within minorities ourselves now, that we feel that we have to stay controlled, that we can't be free. We're afraid of each other. It's mm -hmm. something I guess is going to be seen a lot in my new upcoming work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, guess I, I really wanted to ask about, so you were in Hialeah growing up, you went to school there, and then was it right after that you went to New York? Like yeah. Right after graduation? How was that for you, like the big city? The, like it wasn't. It, I wasn't that scared. I was actually uh, sad that I didn't have any friends up there. But um, because your friends were here, right? yeah, all they my were, friends were there. Yeah. I had. So, I knew some people that were there, like a year older than me, but mm -hmm. not really anyone close up there. Mm -hmm. So when I went up there, it was. I decided to be really open mm -hmm. to any and every experience because mm -hmm. if not, I can't be sheltered. I knew mm -hmm. I couldn't shelter myself because that would not help me grow as. I wanted to be an artist mm -hmm. and just, you know, take a chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I went up there, I met so many different people and mm -hmm. saw so many different things that it just made me happy. Mm -hmm. And um, it really helped me grow as an adult, mm -hmm. as a, I guess, human being, because I don't know if I'm still an adult now. It's just one of those things that, like, when are you an adult? Sure, you pay mortgage, you do this, you're married, you're but like, married damn, now. sometimes you're like, married. That's, that's yeah, no, that's a big step. A big step that yeah. just happened, right? Yeah, like two and a half months ago. Three Congrats. Months. Congratulations. Yeah. And you have such a lovely wife. She's yeah, amazing. she puts up with she a lot of my amazing. shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's great. But no, New York was amazing. I saw so many things that helped me become a better artist. But at the same time, I never really changed the way my art was. It was just the, just seeing so many different types of artists. It really changed who I was. I'll go weekly to the museums, like, because since we were in SVA, they gave us a free pass. We have MoMA, Met, Guggenheim, so we go there for free all the time. So I'll go there mm -hmm. every week and just hang out there, because I didn't have that many friends in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I guess the old masters became my friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did that in San Francisco with the SF MoMA. We also had a free pass, and I was there all the time. I was there all the time, and I just loved it. They had a Roscoe. They still have the Roscoe there, one of the really famous ones, and I would just visit the Roscoe. It was like going to church. I would go visit the Roscoe. <laughs> yeah, Did you miss a New York when you left or were you ever considering staying there? For I was longer? considering staying there. I stayed there uh, for like three year, uh, two years after I graduated. You did? Yeah, but then my mom got sick so oh, I had right. to come down uh -huh. to be with her because mm -hmm. um, that's what family does. Yeah. And I didn't mind coming back. Mm -hmm. it, it was uh, kind of like Going back to the future to their degree, I was like, wow, you guys are still doing the same shit. All right, that's interesting to say, you know, but, yo, you have kids now. All right, damn, all right. And that's when you applied to the Bakehouse. 
Yeah, uh, I started working at a gallery, and then I met somebody who started working here at the Bakehouse and told me to apply. I was like, okay. Apply, got in like two months later, and then moved in. That's the story. Cool. I wanted to ask you, um, since you discussed colors, colors, can you be a little bit more specific about the colors you use in your artwork and why? I think they're really influenced by the houses. I use a lot of pink because my house is pink. So I use a lot, therefore when I use the color pink, I think of my house, I think of the tiles around me. I just, mm -hmm. it just resembles at home. Mm -hmm. The pastel color is very Miami, very Art Deco. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I mix like the graffiti clan colors on top of it because that's houses around me sometimes are graffiti. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if I'm taking a snapshot with my mind and I'm trying to recreate it. Mm -hmm. in an artistic way for someone else to see it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the, the, the reason why I'm like singling out colors, um, it's because I feel like I've, the newer work that I've seen on your Instagram feed and including in your studio, it goes from those Miami Art Deco, um, the pinks, the turquoises, the teals. It, it goes to black. And it, it, the material itself changes. You're starting to use tar in your artwork. Can you tell us about this new body of work that you're entering, which is away from those really bright, colorful colors? Like what, is it the subject matter, is it the material? Speak to us, what's, what's going on? I think it's about mortality too, about how everything fades to black and how the Miami sun just scorches the earth. Because if you're out there for a long time, you feel the heat. So I think one of my pieces I made was painted all black. I was listening to a Jay-Z song called All Black Everything. Mm -hmm off his, uh, the black album, actually, there you go. So I painted everything black. I was like, wow, this looks pretty cool. But it was generally how you see things at night. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I love being at, outside at night. It's mm -hmm. something I really, I like, I am a night owl. I like walking around in the darkness. I like that better than the daylight. Actually, I don't like being outside in the sun for some reason. And the it's new piece- It's <laughs> hot. Well, yeah. And it's bright and it's like, yeah. But the tar pieces were done because I helped my uncle for like three weeks putting tar on top of people's houses. Mm -hmm. and Which is a rough job. It I've is done insane. it only with a little shed and it's like, no, it, it sticks to everything. You can't get it off. Yeah, no, no. Like, I realized that when I started drawing with it recently. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I take a lot of materials you don't regularly use, but they... I do use them, or my family does use them. Most of my family is all working class. Mm -hmm. None of them are artists. Mm -hmm. They're artists, but they don't know they're artists. That's mm -hmm. the thing about it. But then that's something crawling in the outside of artist realm. But at the same time, I use these materials that I know how to use, and I'm creating art with them. So I would mm -hmm. put tar on canvas and draw with nails or with different objects, taking away the tar, like moving mm -hmm. the tar. Mm -hmm. And they're coming out uh, pretty nice. I think I'm going to show some of them pretty soon. I think I've only posted one of a basketball I did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I saw that on Instagram, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you going to try? Um, I'm interested because tar, um, within it, I, I don't know if, if tar has life, but it could be smoothed out. It could be the one you posted is kind of like chunky, mm -hmm. very textured. So I'm wondering if you're looking to keep them all cohesively the same, if you're going to play with the look of them and manipulate them and how that adds to the meaning of the newer pieces. I don't know if you've envisioned them. Can you give a sneak peek? <laughs> I just wanted to use the tar because uh, I was, it reminded me of my uncle a lot. And I wanted to make this really simple line drawings. I knew I could accomplish by using the tar and nails. Therefore, I wanted to make just literally draw with tar or on tar. I'm not sure. Draw with and on. 
and I just wanted to create a, a, I call it gasoline dreams because that's the only way I remember taking it off of my body mm -hmm. was my uncle giving me gasoline just to wipe it all off my, mm -hmm. my hands. Mm -hmm. And it would give me such a stomach ache and headaches after helping him for a couple days. It was just nauseous. But at the same time, I felt okay because I was helping him out because his, one of his workers got sick. Hopefully not because of the tar. Because, you know, <laughs> he seems to be fine, though. It's possible, all the fumes, right? Yeah, no, I actually got a kind of a headache when I was working in my studio with tar because it wasn't yeah. ventilated enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably need a fan for that. Um, I guess my other question would be, since you are working on this new body of work, um, what projects do you think, other than this one, are you excited about that are coming up? Like working with tar, are there any other materials you're looking at currently? I think I'm going to make a lot more uh, pieces about I guess growing up in Miami mm -hmm. and just about being hood rich. Oh, hood rich. I hood like that rich. phrase. Could you, could you explain upon that a little bit? All right. Bit? Like, I have a 1998 Honda Accord, but I have like $5,000 rims on it. Like, the color rims cost more than the actual oh car. My God. So, like, that's you know, like, so Miami. Yeah, it is Superman. So, it's going to be almost like putting bling on things that shouldn't have bling. And mm -hmm. it's just. You make $500 a week, but you waste $400 of it just looking good. Mm -hmm. And you live in a, you know, efficiency. Mm -hmm. It's something that I know a lot of my friends do. I'm like, why, bro? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. That's so very So it's something about, like, it's doing about hood rich. That's mm -hmm. what going to be a lot of my new work's going to be about. I already have almost everything set up. And it's just a matter of executing. I, I, I begin to understand that possibly people outside of Miami appreciate your work more because they don't they don't live here and they don't know Miami as well that it's you know you kind of bring Miami to the places where you show your work right you bring Miami to New York you bring Miami to Chicago and kind of like almost educate the people there through your work you know you show them a piece of Miami as well Versus if they see it here, they take it for granted because they're so used to seeing it. They're right? just looking on the street. They're like, oh, I'm just used to seeing this versus, yeah, yeah. yeah bringing that out. Well, that, I think it depends also because Miami's art scene is very whack. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, by that I mean it's very cliquish. Mm -hmm. It's everybody's, it's the same people show with the same people. Mm -hmm. And it, it, most the artwork is, it's good, but then they just do the same painting over. It's oh, time to get in, yeah. right? It's like a small, it's a narrow path, so you kind of like that you have to follow to kind of get in. Or Not really, it's just that sometimes you just have to conform. Mm -hmm. Conform. And that's yeah. something I never want to do in my work, because mm -hmm. I get invited to group shows, but I just say I don't want to be part of it, because it doesn't make sense for me to be mm -hmm. part of that show. Mm -hmm. You know, it just sometimes I do it, sometimes I, I read a little bit more about what they're going to do. I'm like, no, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to overexposure, you know. It's mm -hmm. not a good thing to show so much of your work, because then yeah. people get tired of looking at it. Mm -hmm. So it's not just Miami not kind of like embracing you as much. You also, you're also picky about where you want well, to show. Well, no. Well, yeah, I'm picky about yeah. it. But at the same time, I love Miami. I love going to the art shows, saying mm -hmm. hi to people. I love talking mm -hmm. shit, mm -hmm. especially the art shows because some artists just are just so full of it. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm fine. I'm probably full of it to some people too. But at the same time, is they take themselves way too serious. When seriously, all we are just kind of like illusionists or magicians. Mm -hmm. We're just literally putting this paint on this canvas and making it into something else. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's just paint on the canvas. Mm -hmm. That's why I like hearing people who are not artists look at my artwork and tell me what they see. Because mm -hmm. that helps me a lot. Like, oh, so this is how people really see it, not mm -hmm. just people who've been trained to look at art. Yeah. You want to keep it real, too, like that. Oh, yeah, right? no. It's like you, you keep, you keep your, your feet on the ground, kind of, and rooted in real life through that. Definitely. I think mm -hmm. before I show any of 
uh, other people in my artwork that go to a gallery, I ask my friends what they think. Mm -hmm. And then they tell me, oh, what's that mean, and blah, blah, and I have to explain to them, and they'll give me their honest mm -hmm. feelings about it. And it helps mm -hmm. me. Sometimes I do, sometimes it doesn't help me at all. Mm -hmm. What did your family say when you said, like, yeah, I want to go to art school, I want to go to New York? Were they supportive, or were they like... Yeah, my mom was, uh, she was happy I was going to go, but at the same time, she doesn't like my art. Really? Yeah, so I have to make special paintings for her. Like, I have to paint flowers and rabbits and ducks. I painted for her. Like, I literally to have just to... just ma make her, like... I guess to show her I can, I can paint if I want to. <laughs> so I make her these little paintings of flowers and drawings, all these little cute stuff for her. And she emails me all this stuff, too. Like, she loves, like, pictures... Well, we love parrots. Uh -huh. So we have a bunch of parrots growing up. So I always draw parrots for her and just send it to her. Mm -hmm. And then she shows me, oh, look at this video of this parrot. Look at this video of this bunny. I was like, oh, mom, thanks. That's great. <laughs> You know? And she still doesn't like your work? No, she she doesn't get it. It makes okay. sense why she wouldn't get it, but mm -hmm. it's something that she's my mom. It's just, it yeah. doesn't matter. I don't care. She gets me. Mm -hmm. And being an artist, sure, it's part, it's a big part of my life, but it's not who I am mm -hmm. as, you know, to her. To mm -hmm. her, I'll always be the little 10-year-old fat kid playing Sega Genesis, drinking, you know, orange soda and eating Ritz crackers. Uh-huh. So that's, I think I always say like the same thing. When I see my mom, I'm like, oh, shit, it's my mom. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, that's my friend. That's my yeah. mom. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's great. The parrots are awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Parrots, rabbits, and flowers. Do you still paint for her? Yeah, no. Whenever she, whenever I, she's like, oh, paint something for me. Like, okay. You do it? Yeah, of course. Easy. It's literally just painting flowers <laughs> or painting parrots. It's like painting whatever cute thing she wants. You're, you're a great son. My husband, uh, he was a painter too. He's always supposed to paint the, the Guadalupe, the, oh my God, the, yeah. you know, for his mother. And he would never do it. He was like, she, she's waiting for years now for him to paint the Guadalupe. So. Oh, it gets her off my back pretty quick too. So <laughs> then she's like, shows her friends, oh, look, one of my song pants. Like, oh my God, these people think I just and paint fucking flowers. And she's proud of you. Yeah, 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 she is. She's a very sweet woman. She's very, um, she's put up with a lot, so. Mm -hmm. She's almost revert to a childlike state now. Does she still live in Miami? Yeah. Yeah, no, she's good. She's she's retired. She just hangs out, takes care of her gardens and her parrots. That's it. And has time to send you videos of such. Yeah, yeah, no, like at least five a day, or like bad jokes, or all these other things she sends me. So, I keep them all. So, like in my Dropbox. Do any of these things? eventually enter your artwork or would you ever consider making an artwork or exhibition based upon these subjects that your mom sent to you? Hell no. Like, but, uh, <laughs> but with I, a twist. But like no, 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 I will. No, I was going to say, me and my mom ha love going to garage sales and okay. church sales and we love kitschy shit. Mm -hmm. So that's what you share? Yes. That's something, uh, she has like a 10,000 little ornaments in her house. Nice. Like she is a hoarder uh -huh. for ornaments. And Which is so great because I see that in your artwork, that element. Yeah, no, exactly. I use a lot of them too. The ones she doesn't like. <laughs> just take, or the ones I want, I just take them from my switch with another one. Like I literally would go to a garage. I make my wife stop. Hey, let's go to this garage sale. I was like, oh shit, I don't have cash. So I go to the ATM, come back and get cash and just buy the most random bullshit I'm never going to use sometimes and just give it to her and we just talk about it and we look at it. And we just, that's how, I guess with a bond, we got through that. Mm -hmm. So the kitschiness is something that we grew up with because in our household, we never had silverware that matched, cups that matched, frame, not all the frames looked exactly the same, but that's something that made it unique to us. Mm -hmm. Every time you use this fork, oh, it reminds you of this person. You use this cup, it reminds you of that time we got this cup, you know, at a Taco Bell by wherever. Or mm -hmm. It's something that made it, like, unique to us, therefore... All my paintings don't, I can't replicate my paintings. Mm -hmm. It's a piece 
that I took from, you know, myself and I'm just putting it out there. So it would be really difficult for me to make the same painting over and over again because I can't get the same objects mm -hmm. or I can't get the same paint or the way I did it. Mm -hmm. It's a one-time thing and it's like... That's it. That's You're what I, moving on. Exactly. That's something I also cherish about it because it's a moment in my life that mm -hmm. I just made. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that some of your paintings or some of your pieces are also like self-portraits? Well, yeah. I guess it's just piece, almost... Or pieces parts of my of yeah parts of me yeah like the memories mm -hmm. something I've been trying to use uh, uh, infuse my work with is manliness or like this male aggression mm -hmm. something I haven't liked a lot recently with our world is how men are just not painting like men should not to sound sexist but they become almost asexual a lot mm -hmm. of painters are just becoming something that they're just not there's no aggression there's no nothing that I liked from the pop artist mm -hmm. or from the that, that really made me want to become an artist, like Jasper Johnson or Rauschenberg nothing really even the Harlem Renaissance had this really strong edginess to it that really helped me become an artist mm -hmm. but um, I'm trying to make I guess these really aggressive paintings mm -hmm. uh, probably within the last three six months mm -hmm. I feel like is, is the word aggression can it be also somehow be paired up with expressionistic because I feel that maybe is, is a complacency or kind of like the stillness or androgyny that you feel is that maybe the the canvas is too clean too soft too perfect looking versus having that sense of the, the presence of the hand I feel like I always witness the presence of your hand in your artwork like I do see that motion I do see not necessarily I don't feel aggression when I see your artwork except when you include the nails but I do see machetes well machetes bats. and the, and the mats and <laughs> brass the nails. knuckles yeah. guns in your, in the in nails on the baseball bat yeah. was that it's yeah it's called it a wig splitter I've mm -hmm. actually used, seen somebody use that on somebody before oh that's horrible that's why I'm yeah no it's pretty horrifying I was like 14 at the time and I seen somebody get hit with that Wow. So that's why, yeah, no. And I was, so that was a memory, too, that you Exactly. It's, violence has always been a part of my growing up as yeah. in, I was around it. Yeah. I'm not a very violent person. I never yell, no, exactly. I never raise my voice. Like, Same time, I understand it has to happen. Yeah. As in, it shouldn't happen, but it happens. I guess it shouldn't happen, but it happens but a it lot. it happens. It happens yeah. a lot all around us. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. something that has been, I try to focus on to almost capture it, but in a way that's whimsical, but it's, it does, it's called a wig splitter mm -hmm. because it splits your wig open, which means your head. Yeah. Intense. Mm -hmm. No, so yeah, so that, that's the only thing I was going to, because like you just describe yourself, like I don't see you as an aggressive person, but I do see your expression in your hand and your artwork. Definitely, because I always wanted to make artwork that was painterly. Mm -hmm. I don't want, if I don't generally want my work to be very photorealistic or it looked like I didn't make it because that's not where I'm going with the work. I want the work to be, you know, very hands-on. It generally is, almost like craftsman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Craftsmanship's your work. There is one more piece that Elisa wanted to talk about. It's the site piece, space. No, it's not, a, it's not a piece, it's a space. It's an actual space. I'm interested in how the idea for the site piece space in Little Haiti came about. If you could talk to us a little bit about that. When we moved to Laundromat, there was a, literally a site opening to the building that no one was using, and I decided to just clean it up and show artists that don't show in galleries or people who want to show their artwork that it's not meant for the clean white walls. It's just mm -hmm. meant for the public to see. Mm -hmm. So it's open 24 hours a day. It should be protected from, let's say, I guess animals or something, because it only has bars holding it from the outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I try to show artists that 
want to get some kind of reaction from people. So there's a mailbox with the information for the artist. If they want to get in contact, they contact directly the artist. Mm -hmm. And something I wanted to create just to help people show their work without the consequences of galleries or anything like that. Because it's called side piece, as in your main piece could be the gallery that represents you, but you don't have to give your real name. This is your side piece. It's like mm -hmm. you're cheating on the gallery with this. Mm -hmm. It comes from the hip hop culture. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was the expression for it. So it's basically you, you kind of, you don't. Your girlfriend, not your wife. <laughs> That's what it is. Like you're married to this woman, but you have a girlfriend too that you don't really talk about. That's what your gallery is. <laughs> well, it's basically a gallery, right? Yeah, yeah. The curator. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I also give uh, the artists who want to show there. I've had two Chicago artists show there, mm -hmm. not use their real names, because they just want to see how people react to it. Oh, wow. And I'm like, and I, I know them, and I, and I was like, okay, man, put whatever name you want. I don't care. I just want to see how people react. Is that we paste artists? They just want to do something different because they're just mm -hmm. used to doing certain type of paintings that mm -hmm. they're known for, it, and so they feel like I gotta make the same type of painting. If not, people are not gonna like me no more, which mm -hmm. sucks. Mm -hmm. That's something I don't like about the you know the whole art world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have to give up your freedom at some point if you want to be like commercially successful. I guess you do have to have to stick with what you've been doing for a while, or you might lose. Clients, you know, or it might not go so well. So I, I, I can, I can understand that. You give and them the you, freedom to experiment and play, kind of. You sorta, give them a freedom what you in like. the playground. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And you're still doing this? Yes, you actually, uh, Elise showed there recently because oh, for her show, yeah, yeah, for her show that they had a laundromat. She said she wanted this piece to put outside. I was like. Okay, yeah, I don't mind it putting outside because it was just it was so awkwardly put in there that it made sense. It looked like it's like, well, how the hell did they get it in there? And it's one of those pieces. I think that was it was pretty funny. What did it say? Because usually it's text, right? Um, it was a haiku. It said, "Keep your eyes open. These crystal clear waters are filled with starving sharks." And the letters are reflective. And I think it's funny because being in the neighborhood that it's in, I feel sometimes a lot of people, you know, used to have a crack house next door. Trap house. Trap house. Sorry. Well, we don't know what was in it, but yes, yeah, trap house next to the laundromats. I thought, you know, there's a lot of sharks out there. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. she's the first person actually to use her real name to show there. Yeah, I'm not scared. Oh, wow. Well, uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's anything about being scared, but really, yeah. Yeah, well, trap house is gone now. Rest in peace, trap Rest house. Rest in peace, trap house. Um, so I guess what happened to the trap house? They just got rid of it because they just sell drugs out there, and the people the entire oh. they, it was an abandoned house that. They just sold drugs out of right oh, behind the laundromat. Were, they were basically just um, squatting. Squatting there. Totally yeah, right. the guy was all right. The guy in charge of the trap house was pretty cool. I mm -hmm. talked to him every day before we had openings. Like, tell him, hey, don't harass the people because they will call the cops on your ass and then you won't be able to do business. So mm -hmm. just chill out. Mm -hmm. I gave him a leftover wine. Like, they came, like, you know, whatever. We had leftover food. I gave it to them. They were, they were cool with me. So I called myself the trap house coordinator because I'll just go up and talk to them. Tell them what's up. They were cool. They're just young guys that just don't yeah. know any better. Yeah. And they remind me a lot of my friends. Yeah. Oh, so it I goes love, back full I circle. I love that you don't, you, you know, you don't have like these anxieties around, around people like in the trap house, I guess. You know, you no. just, you're, you're, you can make friends with everyone, right? You're, Except you're like, I do have an anxiety against the uh, cops. You do? Yeah, big time. I, I really don't dislike cops. I'm actually... A lot of my other pieces now are about how much I hate cops. But I, think I, I saw one of those pieces. Yeah, I think you did see one of them in my studio about the the hood. Yeah, about the car hood with yeah. the grills, uh, you know, silk screen on top of them. Yeah. Leaving the laundromat like late nights, I've been stopped by the police a couple times and harassed by them. 
asking me what I'm doing there, this and that, because they don't see me closing the, the laundromat down. They just see me driving away from it. Yeah. So they think that I'm doing something illegal. So they take me out of my car, they harass me, they, they talk shit to me, they treat me like shit. It's not the first time, it's not gonna be the last time it happens. It's mm -hmm. just something that, because of the way I look, they just harass you. Mm -hmm. And that's something why I hate cops. And that happened to you before? Like, yeah, it happened uh, leaving here too, at the bake house, and people, like cops would stop me and just ask me some stupid questions, trying to incriminate myself. And so they understand there's not, not all cops are bad, but fuck the cops. Uh, yeah, well, that that's a real um, like I I can understand the anxiety that comes with that because exactly. you don't know what's gonna happen, you know. And you're well, it's that profiling that occurs. I mean, I don't know if it happened. Did you get pulled over in New York? Well, I never drove in New York. No, but I mean, did you get? Oh, there by a cop? only in, only when I went to airports. TSA gave me a hard oh. ass time because I looked. Oh, it happened there. Yeah, because right? I had a beard and I looked like Middle Eastern, so people gave me shit. Well, for over those there. of you that can't see right now, just to describe Andre, I mean, you're wearing. I think just like glasses, you have a beard, you know, you, you look like an artist to me. Well, Andre got a haircut. Yeah. And he got a facial, and he looks like, you know. He looks fabulous today, but you might he have. He looks fabulous. Yeah, he praise Allah. Like, yeah. yeah no. It looks like he's on the cover of Vogue next month or something. No, but, JQ, not Vogue. No. JQ. But I know what it's like to be pulled over. I mean, when I was living in New York City, I got pulled over twice on the subway. Um, both occasions, I was coming from art school. I was in just studio garb, so I looked like a homeless person or hobo or a hipster or whatever you prefer. And I got pulled over twice. And so I feel like there is a stigma based upon what you look like when you do get pulled over at mm -hmm. times. So do you feel that if you were dressed in a suit in a nice car, you would not get pulled over by a cop? Or you think you get pulled over regardless? I think it's because the car I drive. It's also because of the way I look. Because okay. I do have an old grand marquee that does look like an old drug dealer's car. Because, it's, especially because the, the rims. Yeah, the, well, I don't have big rims, but yeah, you know, it's just the whole idea of it. My dad gave me that car, and I, it's an old beat-up car, but my car is my dad to some degree, so I don't want to get rid of it or change it because it reminds me of him mm -hmm. a lot. Therefore, uh, I'm still going to keep on driving, but I still got to deal with the bullshit of it. Mm -hmm. For example, today I didn't want any bullshit. So I drove my wife's car, which is like a brand new, like 90, like 2017, whatever. I don't even know. I don't give a shit about cars. I actually don't like driving. I like just to be the passenger, because I like daydreaming, looking at the city, mm -hmm. not making sure to run over people yeah. in the city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually a very slow driver. My wife hates it. Oh, so really? Yeah, because I'm just looking around and shit. <laughs> so I'm always looking around, oh, man, maybe I can just take that, or maybe I can install something there. And just, you know, just really slow driver, yeah. Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me, this whole issue with the police, um, before I moved to the, to the States, and especially to Miami, that there is such a different um, perception of of the police here. Uh, my husband is also um, has a Latino background, born in Miami, but so Latino, and and he would he would just tell me and when I lose something, I lost my my keys, and I said, well, should I call the police? And he he said, just said, no, don't even bother, you know. But I because in in where I come from in Austria, like it's really the police is really regarded as someone that would help you if you get into trouble. They would help you, you know, and it's, of course, because of my skin color and I'm white, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm being treated very differently by the police here. And then, but I never thought about that. I never thought about these, you know, these differences before I moved to Miami. And I'm really grateful for that, that I, that I get a better understanding what it really means to be, you know, to be white and what the privileges are that I have that I never even thought, knew that I had, you know.
I guess to me, for me to turn that back to Andre, it makes me think about like those bars, like this idea of we protect ourselves, we take care of our own. Do you feel that that has to do something like with the cops, like don't go to the cops or forget the cops? Like we just, you protect yourself. You, you get what I'm saying? I guess because we've only had negative experiences with cops, so mm -hmm. it's almost, you know how you train a dog to be afraid of a doorbell or a free mm -hmm. thing? That's like when I see a cop, I don't feel safe. I feel scared. Mm -hmm. okay. I feel like he's going to do something t negative towards yeah. me. He's going to... I've been falsely arrested and then let go the next day. Mm -hmm. I've been harassed by cops. I've been my AD thrown to my face or just thrown on the floor so I had to go grab it like a dog. Mm -hmm. It's something that, yeah, no, no, it's only been it negative. It stays with you. Oh, no, it forever. It's forever. Whenever I see a cop, yeah. I get scared. Like, yeah. if I did something wrong, it's almost, yeah. it's been installed in me, mm -hmm. something that's negative. It's just when I see a cop, I get scared. Mm -hmm. It's like, it makes me want to run away from mm -hmm. them. It, it makes me feel like I did something wrong even though I didn't. Yeah. So... My new pieces are generally how dealing with it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned runaway. You do use a lot of sneakers in your work. Are we almost out of time? <gasps> We're almost out of time. Okay, so I guess. Please ask your question. And definitely, we have time for that one. Okay, one last question. How did the, the incorporation of sneakers come into your work? Because I'm always curious about that. I know there's a really sneaker, like, um, I don't want to say a sneaker life here, but there's a definite connection between that and well, all the shoes, all the shoes I, that I use in my work are my shoes. And it's almost, they're the shoes I walked around in the city, so they're almost my, I guess, vessel mm -hmm. that I put it there. So all the shoes that are in any of my works are my real shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you retire them because? They just got shitty. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I don't like to throw away nothing away. My mom hoards everything, and therefore I hoard stuff in my studio because my wife won't let me do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And you use it in your artwork. Yeah, no, well, of course, other stuff I throw away, but shoes, I love shoes, too. Like, I think they're cool. Okay. All right, we have our very last question. You, were, you came prepared, so. Um, this is a magical rocking chair that you've been rocking for the last hour, and it grants you three wishes. And uh, we always ask our guests. What would those three wishes be if you had any? For you. Well, I have one goal, which is kind of a wish. I, want, mm -hmm. I wish to be part of the Metropolitan's exhibition, like, you know, part of their permanent collection. That's one of my dreams and goals, is to be anything of mine. So to be this. It has to be the mat? It could be MoMA. It could be MoMA? Yeah, okay. it could be the MoMA okay, or the mat. It's just one of those things okay. that, that's like my dream. I okay. wish that to happen. It's something I wish I could take my child, my grandchild, and look, we made it. Mm -hmm. You could do anything you want. This is my dream. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. All right, number two is the Dolphins win the Super Bowl. Because if you're from Miami, you know, that shit hasn't happened in 30-odd years. That's a very Miami thing. That's the day we write. And number three, I guess for everyone just to be happy with their lives. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter what life you live, just be happy living it. Because life is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, and your life is art. So, just get a piece of it, put it on the wall, and just call that shit art. I love it. Thank you that. so much, Andre for coming out to visit us at RCS Rocking Chair Sessions. Thanks as our so much. Fifth guest and anniversary session. Thank you, Maria, for being here. Thank you, Elisa. And I think that's a wrap. That's a wrap. So thanks to all our listeners again. And we're gonna hear you again next week. With same our same time, same station with a new guest. Do we know who's coming? Yes, Mr. Claudio Roncoli. Ooh, Mr. Claudio Roncoli. Which I will be translating for him. It's going to be in Spanish. Spanglish. 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 Muy bueno. Muy bueno. Muy bien. <laughs> Muchas gracias y Have hasta luego. Yes.